Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Fade. Thursday, March 12th, 2015. We're going to build off of yesterday's program, and I am going to have to play our warning. No joke, you are going to hear Patricia King today say that she stopped World War III. I'm not joking. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God, and there is no shortage of bizarre and crazy things being said out there. We actually take the time and open up our Bibles and compare what people are saying to God's Word in context to see if what they're saying actually squares. Now, yesterday, I put forward the uh, one of the lectures I uh, gave at Albuquerque, at, in Albuquerque, at Grace Lutheran Church. And the argument was uh, actually not developed by me, but uh, one I learned from reading Doug Judish's book, uh, on evaluating the claims to the charismatic gifts, and it was written a while ago. I don't, I don't know if it was the 70s or the 80s. I'd have to look at my copy now. But uh, the point is that, um, I, again, I think Judas has a claim here. The claim is, is that uh, Scripture actually prophesies that prophecy would come to an end. It's served its purpose. And uh, and even, you know, if you're, depending on how you read the referent there in 1 Corinthians 13, and, you know, um, then you know, then even the apostle Paul and understood that, you know, these initial, you know, gifts of the spirit, of prophecy, speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, all of that was co- going to come to an end, um, and you know, with the arrival, if you would, of the finished New Testament canon, you know, the apostolic teaching recorded in writing for us, and if that's correct, then that would make a lot of sense as to why all of the major Bible twisters, and this is the one thing they all have in common, from the Pope, no joke, from the Pope all the way down to Patricia King, uh, the one thing that all of these major Bible twisters all have in common is their claims to receiving direct revelation from God. Perry Noble, Stephen Furtick, um, the IHOP people, uh, you know, uh, Phil Pringle down in Australia, Brian Houston, all of the major leaders of the seeker-driven movement, the whole vision-casting leader thing is predicated on you receiving a direct revelation from God via a vision of what God wants you to do, how to do church in a particular context, and then you are to, you know, um, 
cast that vision down to the masses. We've got some major problems here, and um, and we've as a church have got to say enough is enough. You know, the 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 church is literally being overrun with people claiming direct revelation from God, and there's no reason whatsoever to believe that they are receiving these direct revelations from God because their doctrine does not line up with Scripture. How they handle God's Word is abysmal. They don't preach Christ. They really, in fact, are preaching themselves. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to spend the first hour um, taking a listen to Patricia King of the Patricia King Gang. Uh, we're still working on a name, by the way. Uh, there's some great suggestions out there. Very close to uh, adopting one of them, but haven't quite, you know, I've tried it on. Don't know if it fits, but um, then we're going to switch gears. We're going to listen to Mike Bickle from IHOP. And then we're going to spend the uh, the second half of the first hour uh, listening to claims regarding uh, the prophet Phil Pringle from C3 down in Australia. And uh, and then for, to, for hour number two, we're going to listen to a sermon, evaluate, a, is it a sermon from Chris Pringle? Uh, this would be Phil Pringle's wife. And uh, that's what we, we're going to kind of look at all of this. Why is it that the you know these the, the one thing that all of these major Bible twisters have in common is the claim of direct revelation, and they exalt their revelation above the Word of God, and basically you know don't don't accept any criticism from nobody because they've they've received these visions, these prophecies from God, and uh, yet it's demonstrable. It's actually you can actually show it objectively that these people have not been receiving direct revelation from God, and they are in fact false prophets. So that's how we're going to spend today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. And due to the fact that the first segment, you're going to hear Patricia King talking about how God told her to pray in order to avert World War III. And apparently she she pulled it off because, I mean, World War III hasn't arrived unless you think it has, in which case then you actually believe William Tapley's claims regarding World War III are legit. Um, I think it's important that I play our standard warning and then we'll get right into it. Here we go. Warning. Fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. You've been warned. So we're going to be listening to Patricia King as um, she delivers one of her messages at the recently concluded Women on the Front Lines convention, which was held at the Angelus Temple. Yeah, this is uh, the building that was, I believe, built by Amy Semple McPherson. And uh, what we're going to hear is, well... Uh, an example of a person who is, well, disconnected, if you would, from God's Word and is chasing after her own prophecies, dreams, and visions. And, of course, what she brings to the body of Christ is not God's Word. She brings, really, nonsense, abject, utter nonsense. 
And, uh, and again, I'm just kind of looking at uh, the exegetical case that I laid out and that you heard from yesterday's program and just asking the simple question. Um, didn't the Scripture tell us to expect that uh, prophecy and vision would be sealed up? Long ago, you know, various times in many ways in the past, God spoke to our Father through the prophets, but now He has spoken to us through His Son. As for prophecies, they will pass away. You know, things like that. So, um, hmm. let's uh, see what Patricia King is up to from her recently concluded Women on the Front Lines conference. Again, you've been warned. Some of about what, what you're about to hear is, well, just way beyond the lunatic fringe. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Oh, wow, what a night already. Well, I'm uh, really blessed, honored, and humbled to be able to break the word open to you tonight. And I have something that I believe the Lord has put on my heart for you, not only for those of you that hear... So notice, this is something the Lord has put on my heart for you. Well, this, this is a message that God wants us to hear. And if you criticize it, well, then you're criticizing what God wants you to hear, right? You see, that's the other thing. This, all this, oh, this is the message that God has laid upon my heart. We got to stop talking like this. We have got to knock this off um, because this is a, a form of manipulation at best. At worst, it's false prophecy. You know, the, the, what God wants us to, you know, as preachers of the word. And by the way, uh, Patricia King would not qualify here as preachers of the word. We're to preach the word. The thing that God has laid, not on our hearts. And, and listen, trust me, you don't want something that's touched my heart. Uh, scripture is very clear on this. It, yeah, out of the heart comes all kinds of nastiness. Okay, darkness, spiders, you know, things. I thought it doesn't talk about spiders, but you get what I'm saying. So listen, you know, you, you don't want subjectively what somebody's claiming God laid on their heart. No, God has given us his word to preach, and it were to proclaim the full counsel of the word of God. And when we're done doing that, start over, do it again. <laughs> you don't ever graduate from the written word of God. Message, but, but to be prophesied into the spirit realm. And when the prophetic is released in faith, it gives God a landing strip to bring forth the manifestation of that word. His word does not return void. Uh, so when the prophetic is released, it gives God a landing strip. And you can find that in the book of Hesitations, chapter 9. It accomplishes everything that it's sent to do. And this event that we are enjoying, this is only the first day of this three-day event, but this event was actually in the heart of God. Um, it was the Lord. So the Women on the Front Lines Convention Conference, this was on the heart of God. This, this is God's event. That, that spoke to me and he said, I want you to do Women on the Front Lines, a world convention, gather the nations together in LA at the Angelus Temple. And he said, and I will meet you there. And it was his, his desire, his, his agenda for this uh, meeting. So we've been serving him in it. And um, so God wanted this meeting. I remember uh, phoning. We, I was at Barbie Breathitt's home and doing some ministry in the Dallas area, and I was wrestling because of some dynamics that go. I mean, it's it's um, an interesting thing to do um, a larger event in a place where you have no team, um, where you know the the price tag on everything is escalated, and you think, okay, God, I just need to know this is you. If it's you, I'll do it, but I need to know for sure. I need some more confirmation. Okay, so the, apparently God made it clear to her, hey, this is this is the event. You do it at the Angelus Temple. I'll
I'll meet you there. I this is I want you to gather the women from the nations. This is what I want to do. And Patricia King's response was, um, I, uh, I hope that's God. I'm not exactly sure. So she needs confirmation. Hmm. Yeah, does God stutter? I mean, how come the prophets of old, Jeremiah and Isaiah, I mean, they don't they didn't seem to struggle with knowing that God was the one speaking. I phoned James Gall that day and I said, James, do you have any prophetic confirmation or check on this? Um, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm in the will of God because if he wants it, I want to give it to him. But I don't want to step into something that would demand so much effort and time and, and uh, sacrifice on many levels without knowing for sure that it's him. And uh, he got the answer right away. He got the, the confirmation right away. And he- Well, I mean, if James Gall has given you confirmation, well, then it has to be from the Holy Spirit, Right. You just go into the archives of Fighting for the Faith and you know type in James Gall's name, and you'll see that over and again we have demonstrated that James Gall is somebody who is a habitual chronic twister of God's word. Um, that being the case, why should I believe that God the Holy Spirit is the one confirming that he wanted this event at the uh, Angelus Temple? Word of wisdom on on how to um, bring um, some things that I was I was weighing up to pass, and it was just amazing. And since then, we've had so much pleasure in preparing for this event. We've been praying into it for a year, and in this last praying into it, I have no idea what that means. Our intercessors and our interns and our team, we've had all-night prayer meetings and praying from from 9 o'clock at night to 11, night after night after night, and just the joy of releasing the harvest and the blessing of God and and the impart... So she's releasing the harvest and blessing of God. It's kind of like a gatekeeper, you know, who knew? ...of what God wanted to bring, and our desire was was that we would be able to give to God everything that he was looking for. And I felt that there was a convergence between heaven and earth, that we're in this thin place. We were in the speakers meeting last night, and it kept coming up over and over, but we're in a thin place. Like, there's a thin membrane between the earthly realm and the spirit realm. Even Thin membrane. I've heard psychics talk like this. Not Christians. Interesting. Um, so uh, then was it a bulging, leaky sound membrane is what I want to know. Because, you know, remember during that uh, prophecy open mic, uh, Chuck Pierce was talking about the uh, leaky, bulging sound membrane. Location, I really feel that that's why God planned it here. Because he wants us to experience a convergence, you know, where where his heart in heaven is manifested in and through us in the earth like never before. And then he gathered together the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us and said, I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this because it says. So in- all the great cloud of witnesses up in heaven, they're sitting, you know, in, you know, great seating up in heaven watching the uh Women on the Front Lines Convention Conference. Bible in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 40, I believe it is, is that they have gone before us, but they are not complete without us. We have to finish it. And so we're one. There's a spirit of unity between heaven and earth that has come in that we get to glorify the Lord and fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. And we get to do it together. As- yeah, you're not really filling the earth with the knowledge of God, though, because you don't really preach God's word you mangle it twist it turn it into a pretzel you know little balloon animals and things like that um hmm yeah 
one corporate body and as a great company of women that God is raising up in this hour. And the Lord gave me the vision, uh, many of you saw it on the media presentation earlier, but I saw wave after wave after wave of the Spirit coming up on all the, the continents, the nations of the world, and on the seven mountains of influence in society. There's just Waves coming up on the seven mountains. Yeah, that is mentioned in the book of Revelation. Not charitably, though. Waves of the Spirit of God. And then I saw in the vision that the waves were turning into women. And he said, this is the hour for women to arise. Because in Genesis chapter 1, God said that I make man in my image. And then he said, male and female, he created them. Male and female. And then as male and female, together as one, as one, he said he blessed them to be fruitful, to be multiplied, to be filling the earth with his dominion and his rule, to replenish the earth. But we had to do it as one. And that there's been a, an assault, I believe, on women for this very purpose because when we come together, when we come together, men and women together, not, you know, pushing or shoving or trying to to get better than another but just taking our place and being what God created us being coming into the fullness of that 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 is when we will see the execution of full kingdom authority in the earth and I mm, so we're waiting for the uh, execution of full kingdom authority apparently we only got partial kingdom authority at the moment and but it's going to take men and women coming together you know to ex, you know, full execution of kingdom authority. I have no idea where she's getting any of that from. I don't believe that we're actually going to see that full dominion, that full authority, until women come into their place. And he didn't, he didn't you know, say, well, I, I'll, I'll do 80% male and 20% female, and, you know, we'll have a few uh, women serving me on the front lines. No, it was just like he needs everyone in their place where we honor each other and love each other and defer to each other, but, but walk in the fullness of what God called us to be. I I love the prophetic word that Stacy brought tonight, and in fact, all the prophetic words have been like. I mean, I've got to, I've got to get the DVDs and watch it all again and soak in it because it's so deep and so rich. But it was this concept that God loves the small and can create the small, but He loves the big. He can create the big. There's nothing too small, nothing too big. And um, over this last year. Um, the Lord had me praying into a few things that was kind of strange in a way, like, um, I, you know, I just hadn't prayed for these kind of things before. One of them was, uh, I was in Israel, you know, about a year and a half ago or so, and there was a lot of, you know, political turmoil, as there usually is in, in, in Israel, but this was pretty tense. You know, the American warships were out in the water, and other nations were saying, we're going to help you. A lot of prophets were saying, you know, it's the Third World War is on its way. A lot of, you know, secular leaders were saying the same thing. And the Lord spoke to me in a hotel room in Galilee, and he said, I want you to stop the Third World War. The Mm-hmm. <laughs> Folks, I mean, we need to send thank you cards to Patricia King. I'm, I'm thinking about sending her a fruit basket um, <laughs> and thanking her for single-handedly stopping World War III. I mean, if, if it weren't for her, where would we be today, you know? He has a plan to um, initiate a third world war, and I don't want it. It's not, it's, it's not my plan. Stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So God, the Holy Spirit, is incapable of stopping World War III. It's not in his plan, and so he needs Patricia King. Yeah, it's time for another installment of uh, The Holy Spirit Speaks to a Prophet. Uh, <clears throat> i got to work up my Holy Spirit voice here. I, I, I'm sure the um, <laughs> the conversation went along the lines of this. Hello, um, Pat- uh, Patricia, this is The Holy Spirit. And, um, yeah, I, I got news for you. I'm a little stressed out. And, um, well, you know, there's warships, American warships, uh, in the Mediterranean off the coast of uh, Israel. And... And oh man, all the prophets—they—they they can see what's coming. You know, it's World War Three, and this is not in my plan. And and you know, I, I do something, but you know, I'm totally powerless. I mean, I I can't even use the yellow pages. And um, and so my hands are really tied here. So I, I'm I'm contacting you, Patricia, to let you know that I'm really counting on you. I really need you to stop World War Three. Could you do that for me, please? Because you know. I know they say God is sovereign and stuff, but that, that sovereignty stuff is so overrated. I totally can't stop this without you, Patricia. That, yeah, I'm sure the conversation went just like that. Wow. I never even thought on that level before. I didn't think of, oh, just rising up and stopping a third world war. I didn't even know really how to do that. I never thought of it before. You know, I have a prophetic level that is kind of God loves you with an everlasting love. He really, really does, you know. And what's this about stopping a third world war? And um, so I just very clumsy, you know, I was clumsy in it. But with faith, you know, the faith that I had, I said, okay, in the name of Jesus, God says no third world war. You know, and I thought, well, hope that works, you know, and um, but just to get some. Why are these women listening to this and saying, wow, this must really be true. God, the Holy Spirit must have really tapped Patricia King on the shoulder and said, I need you to stop World War Three. Oh, boy. Okay, so, um, yeah, they're all just eating this up rather than leaving the building in disgust. I, I took my scriptures out and got some scripture decrees and, and uh, contacted my friend Elijah or uh, the Steve Schultz of the Elijah List and, and uh, put, a, put out a directive for people to come into agreement with and also xpmedia.com and sent it out and said, just agree and let's decree this together. No third world war. And within 72 hours, the whole thing was dissipated and it stopped. I thought, wow. That that just felt kind of easy, you know? It was just like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there you go, folks. We need to uh, send our thank you cards to uh, XP Media and Patricia King and thank her for single-handedly stopping World War III because apparently God the Holy Spirit couldn't have done it without her. <sighs> yeah, so, you know, that, um, that um, Daniel 9 prophecy comes to mind. Seal up prophecy and vision. Yeah, do you think she's really a prophetess? Do you think she really stopped World War III? Did God the Holy Spirit really tap her on the shoulder and say, hey, I, I need you to stop World War III? No, there's no reason whatsoever to believe that what she's saying is coming from God the Holy Spirit. It may be coming from a spiritual realm, but it's not the heavenly kingdom that this com- is coming from and not the throne of the triune God. We've got a big, I mean huge, ginormous problem here. And all of these women, they just thought this is the greatest thing ever. And they just stayed put and sat there and just ate up all this pig slop like like it was a healthy meal. And it wasn't. It was total and utter deception. Moving along. Time for a new apostolic reformation update. Gee, babe, what do you want to do tonight? 
The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. All right, so what we're going to be listening to is the open portioning, the opening portion of uh, a message delivered recently over at the uh, IHOP, Kansas City. Uh, that would be uh, where Mike Bickle, the prophet, holds court. And um, my question is, why should we believe that this guy is actually a prophet, that he truly hears from God, the Holy Spirit? Well, let's take a listen in this message entitled Walking in Our Destinies, Silencing the Accuser. Mike Bickle claims to have received the prophetic interpretation for a portion of uh, the book of Zechariah, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, let's listen in to Mike Bickle's claims regarding the prophetic. Here we go. It's a passage that's known, uh, well known to a number of you, but to some of you it might be new. And so I'll describe it a little bit to you. And why Zechariah chapter 3 this morning? Well, last Tuesday, so about a week ago, I had a very uh, powerful prophetic dream. Mm. And in this dream, the truth of Zechariah chapter 3 was emphasized that the Lord wants to release this blessing upon this spiritual family. Mm. So the truth, and the truth of Zechariah chapter 3, the prophetic truth of Zechariah chapter 3, God has finally released this information. How to properly understand Zechariah chapter 3, he's released it to the prophet, Mike, Mike Bickle, and, uh, and he wants to release blessing for the people there at IHOP. Hmm. Why should I believe this? This sounds really dubious. It's as if what he's trying to do is come up with a way of making it so that people won't complain about what he's going to do with this text. Because uh, when you read it in context, it's, it doesn't say what he's saying that it says. But this is a prophetic insight as to the true meaning of it, you know? I see. The message of Zechariah 3 is that the Lord wants to silence the voice of the accuser in the lives of his people. Because the voice of accusation, the accuser, hinders the blessing of God. Mm, so the voice of accusation hinders the blessing of God. Could it be that God silences the voice of the accuser, who would be the devil, that he silences the voice of the accuser by bleeding and dying for our sins? You know, the verdict came down guilty, and Jesus was the one person who was punished for the sins of the world. So the voice of the accuser can no longer accuse you because your sins are answered for. Your sins are atoned for. Well, let's see what Mike Bickle's doing here. Number of ways. So Zechariah 3, the, the, the uh, bottom line takeaway message, the Lord has promised blessing. He's promised uh, to break in in his grace in the lives of his people. He's ordained a destiny for every believer and then collectively for spiritual families ordained a destiny. Hmm. So he's one of these destiny guys, huh? Purpose guys. Interesting. 
But the enemy comes to hinder that blessing, to interrupt it. Uh, so the enemy comes to hinder blessings and destiny. Yeah, I've heard this from just about every tin penny false teacher on the planet. To uh, distract us from it, uh, uh, distract us from it. Well, in this dream uh, uh, last Tuesday, I was uh, speaking over various ones in the congregation here. And I was saying in the... So notice he's not preaching God's word. He's exegeting his dream. ...of Jesus. I take authority over Satan. I, I cancel the assignment of Satan was the idea of the prayer. And I was sitting around a fellowship table with different ones in the congregation. And as I'm praying this, you know, in the dream, I'm extending my hand and saying, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over this. And so it's about two o'clock in the morning and I wake up and now I'm not in the dream, but my hand is extended. Where in scripture are we told that we can just decree and declare and take authority over things? Hmm. I don't seem to recall that passage at all. I'm finishing the sentence awake that I started in the dream. Uh, wow, that's unusual. Then I think on it for a little while and go back to sleep. And then maybe an hour later, I have the same kind of dream. And I'm uh, sitting around the table with different ones in the congregation. And I'm speaking in the name of Jesus. And I wake up again and my finger is extended and I'm finishing the sentence awake. And I went, wow, that happened twice in one night. Well, it happens. A th now, notice the template here. He says he's going to give us the prophetic, real interpretation of Zechariah chapter 3 for this community of uh, believers, of course. And uh, it's going to, and there's going to be a blessing released from God. And who's doing all of the releasing? Uh, that would be Mike Bickle. And by telling this story of his prophetic dreams and decreeing and declaring and all this kind of stuff, I mean, does this not in your mind basically say, well, he's the man of God? Um, who am I to challenge him? I mean, clearly he has an inside track with God. He's part of God's inner circle. Well, you know, me, you know, I, I don't really hear from God, not like that. So um, I must be some kind of a, well, you know, I, I'm on a lower rung. God's not all that interested in communicating to me. So, I mean, Mike Bickle, better than me. He's, he's, a, he's like first-tier Christian. I'm just a common, ordinary, you know, plebeian, you know. And uh, probably a carnal Christian, because God doesn't speak to me like this. But uh, Mike Bickle, well, we can't challenge him, because, I mean, God backs up. I mean, God even gives him special prophetic insights as to how to exegete a text in, a way, in ways that nobody's ever done that before. So, I mean, I, who am I to challenge Mike Bickle? I mean, God, God's clearly on his side. Doesn't this make Mike Bickle and God, like, you know, synonymous? That's the idea. Prophecy, when somebody speaks and says that they're claiming the words of God— um, then they're speaking with the authority of God to challenge or question is to question God himself. The same thing. Well, by then, you know, it's time, almost time to get up. Got to do the 6 a.m. that uh, prayer meeting that morning. And so I just go ahead and get up and just say, Lord, what is this? It's the truth of Zechariah chapter 3. And you'll see in a moment where the accuser is rebuked by the Lord himself. And the blessing of God is restored, the blessing that was hindered. And the Lord was uh, speaking clearly to me Tuesday, this is what I want to release. Uh, God wants to release this. And so he hasn't released it before, you know. Of the spiritual family. Now this truth is even more pronounced for today, I mean for this season in our spiritual family, because a week earlier, so go back a week, I had the dream. Yeah, one whole week earlier, yeah.
Go go back two weeks. Okay, two weeks. It's Monday, January 26th. He clearly wrote this down. Our friendship group is meeting, and the Lord highlights in a very specific way Zechariah 3 in this friendship group. Gasp. Wow. And the way that he highlights it is there's several components to it, which I won't go into all those details right now, but he highlights it in a very, very clear way. But the most significant part of it was uh, 14 years ago, Deborah Hebert. Okay, so God highlighted it 14 years ago with Deborah Hebert. Mm-hmm. Who is one of our senior leaders and one that helped start IHOP 15 years ago. Uh, Deborah Hebert was, uh, had a dream 14 years ago. And in that dream, the Lord showed her that on January 26th, on January 26th, God was going to release a dimension of blessing related to Zechariah chapter 3. A, a whole dimension of blessing. Wow. I mean, God's been hanging out, you know, holding off. And, you know, and now he's going to release a whole dimension of blessing, you know, from Zechariah chapter 3. Woo. Yeah. Wow. That's um, nonsensical. It's 14 years ago. So the next year on January 26th, She's thinking, Lord, this is it. You're going to do something that where you're going to, in an unusual way, and emphasize this. Well, nothing happened January 26th, and the next year, the next year, the next year, the next year, 14 years in a row. Lord, is this the day? Well, this year, 2015, January 26th, our friendship group was meeting on a Monday. Me and Diane are still on vacation in Florida, enjoying ourselves, having a great time. Thinking of you, but glad to be there, anxious to get home. At the end, we were missing our family and wanting to get back. But we got a bunch of emails of, oh, my goodness, the Lord, here on January 26th, emphasized in the group in, in, in several different ways, but very, very clearly, Zechariah chapter 3, that the voice of the accuser is to be silenced in several different ways, and blessing is to be released, and on and on. So that was two weeks ago in the friendship group. Yeah, I'm going to stop right there. Let's take a look at Zechariah chapter 3. Um, this is a great passage, by the way, talking about the imputed righteousness of Christ. There's no special dimension of blessing that's waiting to be released, unless, of course, you're not talking about the uh, the imputed righteousness of Christ. Here's what it says, Zechariah chapter 3, starting at verse 1, reading from the ESV, "...then he showed me Joshua." the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Notice Jesus' name is Yeshua, by the way. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, uh, by the way, Joshua here is the high priest of Israel at the time of Zechariah. And the angel of, uh, and Satan is standing there accusing him. And, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And that is a fascinating thing in the Hebrew. because, And it says, and Yahweh said to Satan, Yahweh, Rebuke you, O Satan. Fascinating stuff. Kind of hinting at the doctrine of the Trinity, by the way. The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Good way to describe one of Jesus' saints, even the high priest Joshua, prior to Christ's incarnation. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. Why? Because he's a sinner. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, 
and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. All of this, in a way, very prophetically prefigures and, and shows what happens to each of us in who are in Christ. Each of us, born dead in trespasses and sins, with filthy stained robes, robes stained with our sin and the filth of our sin, and the Satan and you know the accuser accusing us, and God taking away our sin and clothing us in the righteousness of Christ. This is what Zechariah chapter 3 is all about. But Mike Bickle, oh, there's, it was highlighted years ago, man. On January 26th, there would be a dimension of blessing, you know, kind of. And none of this makes any sense because um, if you're in Christ, the blessings of Zechariah 3 that are described there are yours too. When you, you know, you are in Christ, you're buried with Christ in your baptism, raised with Christ, you have been... By faith, your your sins have been imputed to Christ and been atoned for. His righteousness, perfect righteousness, is imputed to you, and Christ sees you robed in the righteousness of Christ. The, the, the blessings of Zechariah 3 are ours already. There is no special new dimension of blessing that God's waiting to release. And what Mike Bickle is saying here is absolute nonsense. And by doing what he's doing, he's blurring what the real blessing of Zechariah 3 is for us, and which is the gospel, and replacing it with something completely different. Is he really hearing from God the Holy Spirit? Would God the Holy Spirit blur such a wonderful picture of our sin being taken from us and us being clothed in the robes of righteousness? Would God the Holy Spirit blur that message that is so clearly pointed to in the gospel itself with some supernatural second-level dimension of blessing thingy that is being released at IHOP through the prophet Mike Bickle? Answer, of course not. Mike Bickle is not hearing from God the Holy Spirit. And Daniel chapter 9 says after the 70 weeks that prophecy and vision would be sealed. Huh. Makes you wonder. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at the claims of the prophecies regarding Phil Pringle of C3 Church out in Australia. Stay tuned, don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Python's Flying Circus Church. The management 
of Monty Python's Flying Circus Church would like to apologize to all of our listeners. Normally, we do parody here at Monty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances in the current miserable state of the church, uh, we can no longer parody the church because the church just parodies itself. For proof of this particular concept, uh, we now present to you um, the uh, Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. I'll tell you, three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit, and we saw 12 people heal the Word of Knowledge, and 40 healed doing the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a little Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. You can Put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you dig your right hand out. You put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out, put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it, all about, you put your right foot in, you take your right foot out, you put your right foot in, you take your right foot out, you put your right foot in, you take your right foot out, put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about, oh, you put your left foot in, put your left foot out, you put your left foot in. Put your left foot out, put your left foot in, put your left foot out, put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about, you take your with the arms uh, nothing nothing real effect but then as soon as i just start we start doing the whole we'll put your left foot in your right foot in both of my knees you know one at a time i could just feel all of a sudden it's like there was no pain i said you said start checking yourself i just squat that's awesome thank you lord for new knees in jesus name come on come on um i've had back problems most of my life and a couple of about a week ago my back had gone out and it was somewhat better but it was still sore uh, up until today, and when we did that hokey pokey, and she came up and testified, all the pain. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Shake it, shake it, shake it all about. You put your whole head in, you take your whole head out. You put your whole head in, take your whole head out. You put your whole head in, take your whole head out. Now put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. And you shake it, it all and you shake it, 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 and you shake it.
Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the gift of prophecy has been sealed up and that all these people claiming direct visions and revelations from God are in fact false prophets. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $8.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio that is a great way to support us. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support, because we cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along. Yeah, we're going to play our vision casting leader update music for Phil Pringle here.
Visions song from Los Lobos Ministry Records. Yeah. All right. Now, what we're going to be listening to, this is kind of a complicated segment, if you would. We have a string of things that we're going to be playing for you from, uh, well, different people talking about Phil Pringle. That would be Stephen Furtick, as well as uh, Kong Hee and his wife, Sung Ho. And also, we're going to be hearing from the vision casting prophet himself. Uh, Phil Pringle from C3 down in Australia. And uh, what we're going to hear here is uh, the kind of stuff that makes me go, why should I believe that this is actually, truly from God the Holy Spirit, when in fact we've noted here at Fighting for the Faith for years that Phil Pringle is, well, a chronic narcissistic eisegete and twister of God's Word. He doesn't rightly handle God's Word. So all these guys who are claiming to hear from God... Uh, why isn't it God the Holy Spirit isn't saying to them, knock it off? You need to stop twisting my word. You need to repent and preach Christ and stop preaching yourself because that's really who they're preaching. They're preaching themselves. They're not preaching Jesus. So uh, to start things off today, we're going to start with uh, Stephen Furtick's appearance at the Presence Conference a couple of years ago. And at the Presence Conference a couple of years ago, uh, Stephen, well, he made some claims regarding uh, uh, Phil Pringle that I think are worth passing along in in the sense that um, he said that uh, Phil Pringle is kind of God's prophet for Australia. Here's Stephen Furtick to uh, explain. In 2 Kings chapter 3, I know for a fact this is the message the Lord wanted me to do for this session tonight. I know it. You know it. You know God wanted you to preach this message uh-huh, from Second Kings. So he was doing his uh, Elijah kick, you know. That was prior to his book on, um, oh, what was the name of that book? Greater or something like that. But let's continue. It's really a message about preparation. Preparation. And, and it, it revolves around a prophet named Elisha. I mentioned him one night of the conference when I was receiving the offering. And Elisha actually reminds me a lot of your pastor. He's this bold guy who... Yeah, Phil Pringle's just like the prophet Elisha. Didn't mind looking at a situation where other people saw limitation. And when others saw limitation, he saw opportunity for innovation. And Elijah was gone, and nobody really knew if Elisha had the stuff. So he's about to perform a great miracle. 
and they're about to find out that there's, there's a prophet in Israel. And I thank God you have a prophet in Australia who speaks God's word to you, by the way. And so you want to be grateful for that because, yeah. Yeah, so apparently Stephen Furtick, while he was at the President's Conference, God was the one who told him to, to uh, twist God's word regarding the story of Elisha. And um, and then, well, of course, you know, to let everybody there at the President's Conference know that there is a prophet in Australia. And that prophet is none other than um, Phil Pringle. Let's move on. In fact, let's hear from Phil Pringle himself as he speaks prophetically. Here we go. This message is, it has teaching in it. But more than anything, this is what I would call the message of a prophet, a prophetic message, a message for a time. So no, this is a message of a prophet, the, the prophet Phil Pringle. A message that wasn't for January, isn't for August, it's for now, today. God has something to say to us today. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm not bad at getting the timing of the word of the Lord right. Oh, yeah. He's, he's really pretty good at getting the timing of the word of the Lord, direct revelation of the Lord right. You heard Kong He tell you, I prophesied over him about five times that he would have Suntech City. He always dismissed it because it's an icon of Singapore. It's in the main, it's, in, it's right in the middle, in the heart of the city. And just four weeks ago, he signed to purchase that at a price of $310 million. Amen. <laughs> These things come to pass. Okay. So I'm just saying that to you. And if I get a word, it's because it's, and I say this, you know, it's not because I'm trying to bolster the word or anything like that. I don't need to do that. I'm just letting you know the nature of this message is that this is something that is a now word for you and me. All right, so there's Phil Pringle giving a now word, a, a prophet, a prophetic word for now for the people there at C3 in Australia. Let's uh, listen to uh, Kong He as he speaks about, well, his experiences with the, uh, the prophet um, Phil Pringle. He, here we go. Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris, they carry a spirit of prophecy. And uh, five years ago... Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris. Chris, by the way, is Phil Pringle's wife. So when you hear saying, oh, Pastor uh, Phil and Pastor Chris, female pastrix, they carry a spirit or gift of prophecy, you know that they don't because God's word forbids women from being pastors. That's the objective word of God at work there. We continue. When my little baby was born, day in, and my wife and I were thinking about taking a six-month break, go to Europe, just backpack, take a little day in. We've been planting, I mean, we've been running the church for so long. And then Pastor Phil came to Singapore. And four months after little Dayan was born, in one of those meetings, the Holy Spirit hit. And how many of you know that, talking about being dangerous, when the Holy Spirit comes upon Pastor Phil, he gets dangerous, right? And he starts prophesying. Yeah, he gets dangerous, all right, because that's not the Holy Spirit speaking. And it's not time for you to stop. You got to go to China. <laughs> and then at that word, you know, we let go of our nets. And then... So son's been on the road right now. She's living in L.A. And, and true enough, China opened up. She became the music ambassador for the Olympic Games, sang at the Special Olympics. Sang. So apparently Phil Pringle prophesied over uh, Kong He's wife's uh, secular recording career. 
By the way, um, did you know that uh, that her her secular recording career was just an abysmal flop? And what I mean by that is that um, th- that uh, one of the things that ca- is, has come out in the uh, trial regarding um, you know, the mismanagement of church funds. Uh, this is from uh, the uh, TodayOnline.com website, uh, the Kong He trial or the City Harvest Church trial. The church spent half a million dollars of Singaporean money, uh, half a million Singaporean money, to buy Sun Ho's unsold CDs. Let me read. Uh, Dateline Singapore. Miss Sun Ho was not the successful singer City Harvest Church had made her out to be. Evidence showed that the church had spent about a half a million dollars buying her unsold CDs. The profitability of her uh, uh, of her artist management company, Extron, was also called into question as the trial involving the church's leader, Kong Hee, and his five deputies resumed yesterday. The six church leaders are accused of mis- uh, misusing more than 50 million Singaporean dollars of church funds to buy sham bonds to bankroll Miss Ho's music career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so apparently, um, you know, Phil Pringle, you know, the prophet Phil Pringle prophesied over her career and oh, things are going to open up for her and stuff like that. And uh, her uh, secular recording career just was a complete abysmal flop, so much so that the church bought back half a million dollars worth of CDs, unsold CDs. Interesting, isn't that? Yeah, weird. Wouldn't that make uh, Phil Pringle a false prophet? Yeah. The, the anthem at the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And uh, just last week, I mean, she's a few months away from launching her debut album in America. But just to let you know, her first single last month was number one in the U.S. Yeah, by the way, she did not sing at the the Beijing Olympics. She did not. Number one in the U.K. on the secular chart. So let's praise God for that. (laughs) Hallelujah. So we got Pastor Field to thank for that. And uh, I'm, I'm... the reason I, I shared that was because in 1995, when Pastor Phil Pringle came to Singapore, and I was driving him around town, just bring him back from the hotel and to the hotel, and we passed by this, this huge complex in a downtown area just in front of a parliament house, and it's called Suntec City. Now, it is the most iconic, monumental convention center in the whole of Southeast Asia. Pastor Phil turned to me and said, Kong, say someday you're going to own that building. At that time, my church was only in 995, less than 1,000 people. I said, Pastor Phil, I said, God bless your heart. Thank you so much <laughs> having faith in me. I said, you know, <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, right, in my dreams. And every year, every year he came back. He said, Kong, you're going to get a building. And he said that, I think one time I, he, he could see the unbelief in me. He starts slapping me. You know, how many of you know Pastor Phil likes to slap, right? He starts slapping me and pushing me, shoving me. He said, you're going to get a building. you going to And uh, I just held that in my heart. I didn't share that with anybody. My wife and I, we prayed and we prayed. And then I want you to know, two months ago, we signed, or last month, we signed the lease. Lease. We are now co-owners of Suntec City Convention Center. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to move in. We're going to move in 12 months from now. Uh, 
I thought I'm going to show you a video. This is the our Arise and Build video. And many people come to City Harvest Church and they look at our church, look at our pulpit, our Arise and Build, and they say, yeah, hey, why is it that in Australia they kind of copy after you? <laughs> but actually, we came here and copy everything from Christian City Church. Yeah, Christian City Church is uh, now C3. So, um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Kong Hee, well, apparently Phil Pringle prophesied over Sun Ho's career, which went kaput. And, um, yeah, that didn't really pan out there. And she did not sing at the uh, uh, 2008 Singapore Olympics. That did not happen. He was, uh, what he was saying about her career taking off was not true. And, yeah, it is true that uh, Kong Hee's um, City Harvest Church uh, does uh, have their services, and the, they are part owners of the SunTech Center out there in Singapore. But uh, the things are a little bit, uh, well, problematic for them because, um, you know, they, they've got this big financial trial that's been stretching out for a while and probably will continue for a little bit of time. Now, let's uh, let's listen in to another prophecy from uh, Phil Pringle, and this is uh, his 2020 vision that he gave. And listen to how he speaks. As we look into the future, it is incredibly important that we commit ourselves to a vision of growth. Yeah, so he's casting. we got to commit ourselves to a vision of growth. If we don't grow, we will die. God has called us to carry his presence to this generation, to carry a message of faith, hope, and love, to go into all the world and make disciples, to bring a bright, relevant, contemporary, powerful, fun church to this world. So we're projecting a vision that by the year 2020, we would see at least 1,000 churches in Christian City Church International. We want to not just... So he wants 1,000 churches in Christian City Church, C3 International. Uh-oh. Plant new churches, but grow those churches to an average size of 500 each. That means half a million people on fire for God in our churches right around the globe. Do you know, I see as I'm standing here, I can see. Now, this is a claim that they have that... Um, Phil Pringle, back on December 31st of 1998, prophesied the uh, the collapse of the uh, World Trade Center, you know, the attack on uh, New York. So listen to what he said. My God. I can see the tallest buildings in the world crumbling to the ground. The tallest buildings in the world? No, well, no, actually... Um, the World Trade Center was not the tallest building in the world at the time they came down, like not even close. I mean, a long time ago, they ceased to be the tallest buildings in the world. I can see the pride of man being brought down. I see the technological Tower of Babel crashing to the ground. And I see the mountain of the house of the Lord rising, being exalted. Oh, so apparently there's this big revival that breaks out and all oh, the people come flooding into church after the f collapse of the largest buildings in the world. The church will rise in this hour and the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. The financial institutions will tremble and shake and be brought low. For I will come and shake the heavens and shake the earth. Yeah, you got to give it uh, to Phil Pringle, though. At least his prophecies are a little bit more lucid than uh, Chuck Pierce's. Says the Almighty God, nations will be shaken, that all nations might come to the desire of all nations. 
Jesus that will come like streams of humans into the house of the Lord. So all the streams of humanity coming to the house of the Lord after the towers come down. Is that really what is that really what's happened since 9-11? You enter into covenant with me this day. I will bring blessing upon my house. If we rise up together, project the vision, and believe God, you and I will be involved in the greatest plan that God has on planet Earth. If we project the vision and get involved, we will be involved in the greatest vision that God has. Wow. Interesting. Scary, isn't it? Time. So, yeah, there you go. Um, C3's uh, 2020 vision video, which I think is rather fascinating. Um, but let's um, take a listen to another prophecy. This one is actually needs a little bit of setup because there's this um, dam in Australia called the Warragamba, Warragamba Dam. And uh, apparently uh, Phil Pringle gave a prophecy regarding the Warragamba Dam. And uh, and they're claiming that it came true. So let's listen regarding the prophecy regarding the Warragamba Dam. And you'll notice that there's something similar to this prophecy that was given uh, to the prophecy given in 1998 and you know about this flood of people listen in in 2005 professor tim flannery predicted that sydney's dams could be empty in as little as two years due to global warming mr flannery has warned that sydney will soon be facing extreme difficulties with water Climate change expert Tim Flannery has said that even the rain that falls isn't actually going to fill Sydney's dams and river systems. He's also stated that we're running out of water and time. So there you go. I mean, that back in 2005, Tim Flannery, a climate change expert, will say, oh, Sydney's water supply, yeah, it's, it's doomed. And, the, you know, the Warragamba Dam will never overflow again. Now, to fast forward to June 15th, 2008. I tell you another thing, that as I was standing here tonight, God spoke to me about a really weird thing. He said, people have said the Warragamba Dam will never be full again. In 2007, Mr. Flannery stated that Sydney would never again get dam-filling rain and that the Warragamba Dam could be dry in just two years. All right, fast forward to March 3rd, 2012. Said, watch me. Yeah, so there's the Warragamba Dam, and it's it's overflowing. On March 3rd, 2012, it's overflowing. And, of course, back in, you know, a few years earlier, the prophet Phil Pringle said that the Warragamba Dam would overflow because God told him it would. But there's more to it than just the dam overflowing overflow and as it overflows a revival is going to come through the nation all right so with the um, <clears throat> with the water overflowing the Waragamba dam there's supposedly going to be a uh, well a, a revival that's going to sweep through the nation of australia and let's find out more of the details here like a sign the power of god is going to touch the city with revival the spirit of god it's going to fall on this nation. It's going to fall on this city. The power of God is going to pour down out of heaven. Rains are going to come. A storm is coming. Two storms are coming on the earth. One storm is the storm of revival. 
One storm is the storm of the glory and the power of God. All right, so the storm of revival's coming along with the physical storm that would overflow the Waragamba Dam, yeah. Another storm is the storm of nervous anxiety, of terror, and of fear. But my glory will fill my house, says the Lord. If you will build my house, if you will commit yourselves and not give yourselves comfort, I will build a house. I will fill this place with my glory, says the Almighty God. My power will fall on this place. My spirit will fall on this place. My power will fall on the people. I will raise up an army and teachers and church builders. I will raise up a people who will expand this house. These seats will be full. Those seats will be full. Every service you come, you will queue in line. All right, so notice what he said. He said all those seats, he's pointing to the corners of the... uh, of the C3 church, that all of the seats will be full. And the, because of this revival that's going to break out as a result of the Waragamba Dam overflowing, um, that people are going to have to queue up and get in line in order to get into church. That's not happening at all. C3 is still not queuing up this big revival that he prophesied would coincide with the overflowing of the Waragamba Dam, which occurred in 2012. Uh, yeah, it didn't happen. What does that make Phil Pringle? The answer is, it makes him a false prophet. In fact, I'm convinced Scripture is teaching us and telling us that all of these people claiming to be prophets are false prophets. Because as Daniel prophesied, and he was a true prophet, there, you know, after the 70 weeks and the Messiah come and iniquity is atoned for, there would be a sealing up of prophecy and vision. Yeah, the prophets have served their purpose. Yeah, and again, over and again, the, what all of these Bible twisters have in common, they all claim to be receiving direct revelation from God. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're going to end the, uh, the episode off with a uh, Chris Pringle sermon. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Living a life of purpose can't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... Listening to Byron Christian Radio. Quiet on set! Lights! Camera! Action! Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents. Cut! 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 We don't need lights. This is for radio. Fine! Strike the lights, people! Striking! Can we keep the camera? No. No camera. Oh. 
but can we at least have some action? Let me look at the budget. Yeah, we can have some action. All right, then. Places, everyone! Action! Now, oh, what is it this time? Um, we're not actually doing a max holiday right now. We're not? Th- then what are we doing? Well, we're actually promoting Mac and Trio, Inc. What on earth is that? It's a brand new company dedicated to providing quality and wholesome entertainment for all ages. That sounds interesting. Actually, Mac and Trio, Inc. has already published three children's books that are available for purchase in both a digital and a hard copy format. And we even have a weekly online comic strip. Additionally, Mac and Trio Inc. is currently developing board games, card games, and even a children's television show. That sounds awesome! Where can I go to see all these great things? It's really simple. Just go to bit.ly forward slash Mac and Trio. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash M-A-C-K-I-N-T-R-I-O. That's a wrap, folks! Number two of Fighting for the Faith Sermon Review Time. Don't hate me for for reviewing this sermon. Alright, let's do this right. We got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon, I don't know what this is, comes to us via C3 Church in San Diego. The prophetess, Pastor Christine Pringle, presiding. That's her full name, by the way. Uh, The name of the message we'll be listening to is entitled, Winter is Over. Winter is Over. Um... I don't know how to prepare you except for to say that what you're going to hear is no attempt at any sound exegesis of the, I think, two different biblical passages that she's going to touch. Um, But there's going to be a full revelation, an actual word from Jesus, prophetic vision from Jesus, and a word to people there at uh, C3 Church in San Diego at the end of this thing. And uh, we're testing to see if um, any of these are real prophecies at all. In fact, they sound nothing like real prophecies. And I'm convinced that Daniel had it right, that God spoke to him correctly, that um, after iniquity was atoned for, after the 70 weeks and the Messiah appeared, the prophecy and vision were sealed. More proof of that coming up. Let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here's Chris Pringle and Winter is Over. We heard an incredible testimony about the power of giving, and I am going to tell a story today about the power of giving that's going to unlock winter, not just in physical provision, but in your faith level to believe God. Okay, this is, this is where I think we go wrong in Christendom. Okay, so she's going to give some kind of message that's going to unlock winter. 
yeah, not just monetary winter in your life, but some other kind of spiritual dimension kind of winter too. So there's principles of giving that will unlock winter. Yeah, if you hear anybody start a sermon off with those words, you know that what it is that's coming next is not a biblical teaching. We're too busy rebuking the devil, too busy saying the devil's on my back. Forget about him. He's finished. He's lost. It's over. Over here, grow in faith, grow in the word of God, grow in praise. It's scripture. You know, Jesus told us to pray um, in, in the Lord's Prayer. Um, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. Hmm, weird. It's, it, Jesus didn't say, and yeah, don't even bother praying that part of the prayer because, you know, he's he's done. He's, you know, mm-hmm, weird. He's in worship, just <laughs> the devil. <laughs> don't even give him the time of day. Yeah, don't give that devil the time of day. Just give him a raspberry. Turn your back on him and grow in faith. With a word from God. God's word created the heavens and the earth. God's word raised Jesus Christ from the dead. When the under hell fella thought when he killed him on the cross, when he heard Jesus say, it is finished. But Jesus didn't mean it is finished like salvation. What he meant was you are finished. It's over. I've done it. Mm, so Jesus didn't really mean to tell us die. He meant to say that the devil is finished. I mean, easy mistake for Jesus to make on the cross. I mean, you know, he was in agony. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense that she would find finally, you know, the, the real words that he truly said and meant. Weird, huh? Has been defeated. He did. He That was going to come into evidence in three days time. So let me say this. You believe now. You sow now. Here's present. Here's today. Here's yesterday. Many of you have sown and been faithful to God, and you're still waiting for the breakthrough. Am I right? We're all in many areas of our lives there. But yeah, that's because you're, you and your husband teach people they need to sow a seed into your uh, C3 ministry, and then God will, you know, un- open up the windows of heaven and bless them and stuff like that. And so, you know, people, you know, it costs a lot of money to run a movement like C3, not an institution, a movement, and um, with a with a, pro- a prophetic head, actually two prophetic heads, you know, Phil and Chris Pringle at the helm. And um, and so, you know, people, hey, where's my blessings? Well, you got to unlock winter. you you got to understand. So this is, if you would, kind of a, a sermon designed to do a little bit of damage control because they've been promising things for God and God hasn't been delivering on his part uh-huh, because God didn't make the promises that they said he was making. So that's kind of the problem. It gets a little awkward when those promises are somehow tied to blessings given, uh, you know, the, regarding money, you know, things like that. But we've sown. Right? Here's the present. Here's today. If you haven't sown, if you haven't stood for Christ, if you haven't said, I'm all in, today's the day for you. Because no tree grows overnight. This is the seed of your life and your faith here. Now, wherever you're at, you can take, you can. So in the future, I'm over here. I'm in the future. I'm 61. I'm looking back. I've been saved 44 years. So 44 years of sowing, praising, fighting, giving, ignoring the devil to him, praising Jesus, right? We're all on a journey. Nothing is ever finished. You win one 
fight like a soldier. He goes out, he's sent out to one territory and he comes back on furlough. Does he then hang up all his army clothes and go, well, I've, I served my country, my Lord? No, he waits for further orders. He works out, he gets up, he jogs, he lifts the log. He makes love to his wife. He loves his children. He comes to church, he tithes, he prays, he gives. He waits until he, the commander, which could be either the pastor or the Lord. Yeah, here's the other thing. You can't be serving Jesus and, and hating your leaders. It's not possible. You can't. Yeah, so whatever you do, you can't serve Jesus and, you know, disobey the vision-casting prophetic leaders over your movement. No, you can't do that. No, you're probably not even saved if you're doubting the vision of the visionary leader or, or not loving the leaders that God has put over you like that, you know. God has chosen the church on earth. And let me just say this. If you had really nasty, awful, indifferent, uh, tactless, untalented leaders... I wouldn't say this, but you don't. You have two of the finest leaders in C3 church movement whom God has elevated and for you to get behind and grow up and come this journey with us. I want you to look back when you're 61 and I want to see you to say, here is praise God. Here is all that I've done for you in my life. I didn't waste it. I gave, I see the fruit with trial. It didn't happen overnight. It's like Rachel, what's her name? The one that used to be married to Rod Stewart. She's a Kiwi. Rachel Hunter, she does the Pantene shampoo ad. And she goes, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. And that's, that's you. But you have to declare, you have to apply you don't get here like her by using Pantene anyway. She's probably got a stylist, who knows, but it's a bit of a joke. You only, you only grow as you apply the word of God, as you come to the house, as you do connect, as you serve. Right. One of the greatest ways to heal a bad attitude. Yeah, notice what's missing. There's, there's, there's no biblical text in front of... Pastrix, Chris Pringle, uh, the prophetess, sorry. Um, no, no, she's just kind of winging it, you know, direct download, apparently. I, I don't know. I, she's got all these words that she's throwing out there, and none of them can actually be found in the Bible. Weird, huh? Right. Is, or, or an indifferent, like my, my Christian life's going nowhere, and you think you need a therapist. No, you don't. You need to serve. Just serve. Don't be wanting to be on the guitar and leading. No, no, no. Behind the scenes. Go help the farmer. Come early, put the things out on the seats. Check the loos, light the candles. And then when you begin to shine, like I am right now with sweat, you might get on the front door. And then you just might do something wonderful for somebody one day. Somebody's going to come in and they need a handshake. You look great today. I love your T-shirt, sir. You know, um, where do you work out? Sir, if it's a boy, to boy, not, not. And, and then when you serve, it's a medical fact. Endorphins are released in your body that heal your mind, 
are addictions, right? The way you think and what you feed your mind and soul and spirit on is how you're going to be in the future. You all know that, don't you? If you're going to eat fat chips and McDonald's and I can't think, you know, In-N-Out burgers, all right, because there's no bread. But um, if you eat all the wrong stuff, that's what you're going to look like in the future. But if you decide, okay, I'm going to I'm going to quit myself. I'm going to get ready for God's army. I'm going to serve. I'm going to declare in so many areas of my life, winter is over. I'm getting to the scripture. Just declare winter is over. Yeah, just, you know, decree and declare it. And winter will be over. But you got to serve, though, you know. Volunteer in the parking lot. Be a greeter. And don't, and, and don't hate your leaders. You can't be a Christian and hate your leaders, you know. And here it is. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, 10 to 13. The Lord spoke to me with this scripture, and, and this is where this message came out. Uh, I was, uh, I'm going to tell you the history of it, and it's going to help you seek God. I live near the beach, and you just go down a big path, and it's called the Mona Vale Headland. And if you keep walking, you go around one part of the beach, and you keep walking to the rocks, And way down there at the end of the rocks, if it's early morning and the tide is out, I can get right in uh, between the rocks. And everyone's got a place where God speaks to them. Yours might be on your bed, on the lounge, in a chair, at a certain spot, out the backyard. It might be when you're walking. But for me, I've got to be stationary. I don't know why. I love to walk and I take the dog and Phil and I walk. But... that's different. It's not the location. It's when I'm in the quiet and in the stillness, I hear his voice. And I think it's because I'm so active. I'm a sanguine. So he, he, to get in, he wants me away. So I sit between these rocks. I can't even hear the ocean. And it's right there. And God speaks to me. And this is where he spoke to me about the scripture that I'm sharing with you today. Mm-hmm. So, so this, this is exactly what God wants her to share, you know, from the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, which exegetically is going to be interesting, I'm sure. Um, but, oh, this, this God spoke to her. You know, she's got this wonderful house on the beach, and, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and I want you to take a hold. I don't want you to just hear it and not apply it. It's time for you to apply the word of God. And this is the word of the Lord to you today. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. That's awesome. That's a, that's a prophetic word. I declare that winter is over. I declare it over my life. Yeah, um, just because the word winter appears in the Song of Solomon, in this text that you've just ripped completely out of context, doesn't mean that you're supposed to decree and declare that winter is over in people's lives. Yeah, you, you really think you're a prophetess, huh? Okay. My family, my job, over my health, over my children over salvation in my family, whatever it is, write it down. You must write it down. You don't have to do it now if you don't have a notebook, but write the scripture down and write it down. Habakkuk says, write the vision down so that he or she who reads it may run. In other words, date it, declare it, 
Work towards it. Do the, the Holy Spirit will give you things to do. He'll say, stop doing that. Get rid of that drop dead. Yeah, uh, Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 11 has nothing to do with any of the things that you're saying. But, you know, of course, God told you this while you were, at, you know, behind some rocks at the beach. So it must be true, you know. Turkey friend who's always pulling you down and knocking church and knocking you coming to the house of God. Get rid of debris. Like, let's get ready. Let's get ready for this new threshold. Let's get ready for the advancement of C3 Church across the Americas. Amen. Let's get ready to fill every seat in this campus and need a second service. Yeah, that's the last thing we need is a uh, group of C3 churches across America. As if it's not already bad enough here. Maybe you already do. Let's get ready. And how does that happen? You and I rise up. Winter is past. I'm going to do something. I'm going to be a part of it. Not the leaders. The leaders are already doing it. We need a whole army. That's you. Turn to somebody and say, that's it. You've just... Uh, So this is a recruiting speech. Got it. All under the guise of an exegetical teaching from God's word. And it's not that at all. Got it. Being enlisted. Then you get the vision. What are you seeing? The flowers appear on the earth. Boys, forgive me. It's a song of Solomon scripture. But what do you see? Where are you going? What do you need to correct in your life? See something. The flowers. This is new life. This is speaking of new, of growth, of, of going forward, of birthing. And birthing isn't easy. Ask any woman who's pushed a baby out. It's only good when they give you the needle. And then you're numb from the waist down. They didn't have it in the days that I had babies. I had to push them all out. But they're okay. Their heads are all right. Most of the time. Sorry about me, but there you go. The time of singing has come. Rejoicing. Breaking ground. It's up to us. The fig tree puts forth her green figs. In other words, you begin to see and declare growth over your world. And the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. So it's all about growth and new life and stepping into something new and flourishing that's never been birthed before. When blossoms bud, that's it. They're there, right? And then there's another season and another season. You have to walk with the seasons. You have to follow the Lord. The winter is over. And find that place where his voice can speak to you. Because his word will sustain you. My beloved spoke and said to me, me, it's a scripture, but he said to me, tell my people winter is over. Tell my people the winter is over. It's not the only scripture I've got. He's in your circumstances, in whatever has had you in a winter vice is going to thaw. You come into his presence. You seek him. You're going to feel the thaw. You're going to feel your heart that's been hardened through circumstances begin to melt and soften in his presence and at his word. This only happens in his presence. It doesn't actually happen often in the noise, but we need the noise. Hey, I love a good rock and roll party. I love praise and worship. But the moving and resetting of the Holy Spirit is in relationship with him. It's in that secret place and I want you to find that place but the big thaw has begun 
You know, uh, the word, uh, no, I won't even bother with that. I haven't got time. Okay, Psalm 147, verses 15 to 18 says this. He sends his orders to the world. How swiftly his word flies. In a moment, things can shift. For them to stay progressingly in that area of progress is up to you and me. That's what we do. He speaks, he touches. Yeah, Psalm 147, you know, the verses you're citing has nothing to do. Verse 15, yeah, uh, has nothing to do at all with what you're saying. You're just taking verses out of context and stringing them in together as it, you know, to create the pretense that what you're doing is actually teaching them God's word, but you're not. You're not even close to teaching them God's word. We continue. Just bam, then we have to grow into it. The farmer sows the seed. He can't neglect it. He's got to water it. He's got to keep the soil, right? It will, the harvest will come, but he's got to tend to that crop. He's got to tend to that seed. He's got to water that seed. He's got to, so for you, it's, it's, it's what we call the plod, prayer, Bible. Get used to the ordinariness of life. If you want to be 61 and following the Lord, accept the ordinary days. Accept the days when he is silent and you're serving. Accept the days in marriage that are ordinary. The ordinary of marriage, ordinariness of marriage is the test of marriage. It's the test of, you didn't you can't always be hot for each other. Sorry, Bryce. He's in the hot stage of the honeymoon. But sure enough, there's going to be days when she's like, who is this guy? And he says, who is this girl? That's the ordinariness of marriage. It's going to happen. I'm just warning you. They're going to have a fight. And she's. And what does any of this have to do with Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 11, and Psalm 147? Nothing. Nothing at all. Yes, she claims to be a prophetess, you know. She's going to slam the door. Oh, and a pastor, too. Door, and she's going to be right on that side of the bed, like so far that if she just moved her leg, she'd go clonk. The ordinariness of marriage, the reality of life, the ordinary days in Christ. Handle them. Grow up. Put your good girl pants on and big boy britches on. But when he moves, he moves. Be ready. Be ready. Be listening. Having bead with him. He sends the snow like white wool. He scatters frost upon the ground like ashes. He hurls the hail like stones. Let me just say this. Winter is a legitimate season. It's a test. And it's not the devil. God sends winter. He's, he's looking at you. He's watching to see, will this person in the ordinariness and the not seeing their mum or their dad or their spouse or their son or their daughter saved, when they're not feeling released into the ministry that they feel God has called them to, Will you walk through the winter? So there's winters of... Yeah, I have no idea what she's talking about. It has nothing to do with any of these texts. ...of discontent where you need breakthrough, and there's winters that are normal. And when you seek the Lord, and today, okay, today many of you are going to be broken out of that winter where you need just God to snap. He's going to put the pickaxe. 
into the hole of your cave and he's going to pull you out and up into the sunlight because winter is over. Winter is over. The big thaw is happening in your heart. Mm -hmm. Huzzah. Winter is over. I have no idea what you're talking about, lady. Okay. He sent the snow like white wool. He scatters frost upon the ground like ashes. He hurls the hail like stones. Who can stand against his freezing cold? Then, at his command, it all melts. He sends his winds and ice thaws. Psalm 147, 15 to 18. Cue sappy music. <laughs> wow. You need to go up. Yeah, that, by the way, the purpose of this is it's an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, is now descending on people. As they've heard that winter is over, you know, they've, they've got to make decisions to get involved, get busy in, in the ordinary and stuff like that because the flowers are growing, you know? Over that. Holy Spirit's here. It's because he wants to touch you. Uh, so now she she acknowledges that the Holy Spirit is here. And how did she know? Well, because of the sappy music. We all are put to the test, every single one of us. But God is here to break the spell of winter over your life. The Lion of Judah is here to break the spell of winter from over your life. And as you go into a hypnotic state, you say, of course, the Lion of Judah is here because the prophetess, Pastor Chris Pringle, has said so. Oh, I need to get busy and make a decision. The Holy Spirit's here because the, the synthesizer has told me. The time of singing has come. winter is over. I mean, let's stand to our feet today. Lift your hands to heaven. Just lift your hands. The winter of provision is going to be broken over Yeah, the winter of provision is going to be broken. Many of your lives. The winter of provision how do I know it? Yeah, how, how do you know it? Man, we were in a vice. Uh, what? Not two years ago. But we had to go through that trial for nearly five and a half years. And then, uh, God, we had a breakthrough. I want to share this with you because I know many of you need to hear this little story. Yeah, please share. I won't go into all the details for time, but okay. it was to do with uh, the property we were in. We'd bought an investment property in Sydney. Yeah, they bought an investment property. This is how she knows that winter is over for you. And it wouldn't sell. And we had tenants in it, but we were having every spare cash that we were earning because we were already paying a mortgage in our existing house went to this deficit each month in this apartment you know that we could not sell so we decided to sell our family home which was too big anyway and go and live in this apartment it was so it was like it was just 
I know, it was that feeling where you're in a vice. You just, Phil was waking up nightly at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., going downstairs to pray. It was a terrible financial burden on us. Everything we were earning beyond our wage, which was covering necessities, was going into this, um, you know, noose around our neck. And, and everybody knows, I mean, they barely make any money at all, right? No, he makes huge amounts of money. Nobody knew about it. I can talk about it now because we're through it, but nobody knew for five years we were, man, we were on, yeah. And I know many of you are in this place right now. So the week of the auction for our home, I got a letter from a, I got an email from the real estate agent who had sold us this house, that our family home. We'd been in it for nearly 15 years. And she said, oh, my boss is selling this house and I can just see Phil Pringle paintings in it. And we, this company was not selling the house now and the owner was a bit upset with us. And there was another moral issue to do with the owner of this business and that's why we didn't pick him. I won't go into that in case it's online. So I I actually replied quickly and said, thank you so much. Actually, we're not looking for a place. We're going to move into the apartment in Manly. And then when that sells, we'll look to see what we've got in our bucket to buy something, you know, as empty nesters. And, you know, God's been good to us, but we're in a vice. So... The day of the auction came, and we... And remember, the reason why she's telling this story is because, well, this proves that winter's over, you know, for you. Provision provision winter, you know, it's over for you. We had 30 minutes after getting out of the house while people were doing the final and have to sign up for auction in our country, probably the same here. And Phil said, oh, look, just let's go up and see that house. And um, it was so funny because Joseph was so upset. He's 30, for goodness sake. He's like, you're not selling the family home. Not even he, he sort of knew the vice we were in, but we didn't really tell anybody. Nobody knew except our financial advisor, who was mortified. He couldn't believe how much we were giving into vision builders and tithing. He's like, I don't know how you're doing this. There's just not enough coming in, but you're you're sowing. Will you stop giving? And we're like, nah. So it was a test And you're in a test right now I'm about to tell you I'm about to bring you the word of the Lord We went to the house And by bringing the word of the Lord She's not talking about a scripture text In context rightly exegeted And there was the agent A sort of a a, a uppity guy Very wealthy we walked in, we just said, hi, you know, what are we just looking? Oh, yeah, he said, yeah, auction's on today. And he turned to Phil and he said these words, you'll never, you'll never be able to afford this place. And it went like an arrow, like a, a knife went into my heart. And I didn't say a word. We looked through the house. It was just like our house, simple beach house, modern, easy clean, shut the door, go overseas, that sort of thing. Beach house, yeah. Skid row for sure, you know. Modern, no work to do. We leave, 
we get in the car to go to our auction. Sorry, I'm taking more time, but I have to. Somebody needs to hear this. We got in the car. Time still gets me. And Phil, we're driving back to our auction. Phil, he didn't even look at me. He just said, if I could buy that house today, babe, I would. I didn't say anything because I knew, you know, we, 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 you know, we hadn't sold. We hadn't sold. We had nothing. We were like, we were, we were taking, you know, how you've got equity in a house. We were loaning against the equity to cover this debt, the thing we couldn't. And it was like our financial advisor was like, ah. We even minimised our superannuation, which you never do in Australia. But anyway, it's all right. We'll fix that up now. We get back. I've got this knife in my heart. The house sells. Okay, you know, not top dollar, but great. We let the agent know in our apartment in Manly, tell our tenants they have to go, you know, we're not renewing their lease, which was like in six to eight weeks. 24 hours later, that agent rings and says, you will not believe this. They want to buy it and they're cashed up. They've been getting ready. They've had to sell other properties for like three years. Now, just remember, this has been going on five years. God's watching. He's not asleep. He's watching. He is not asleep. So I'm supposed to take solace in my financial situation because of your miraculous, so-called miraculous, um, property thing that happened. Mm -hmm. He's watching us. He's watching Will we stay the course? Will we just spit the dummy? So we wait because it's day. You've got to make sure the money's transferred. You've got to make sure it's legitimate. You've got to make sure. So then both are sold. Two properties are sold. We've got nowhere to live now. We're like on Skid Row. No. So Phil rings the... Yes. <laughs> I doubt the Phil and Chris Pringle are on Skid Row. I can just see them, you know, pushing a shopping cart. Uppity agent. And he says, put in this offer. He laughed. He went, no way. No. They've got an offer for the above the amount they want for a year's settlement. That's no good. We knew that was... We didn't know that. We didn't know that they had to sell. We didn't know what we just... Because the house was amazing. He was like, oh, God, you know, they just, yeah, they're just worth this. And, yeah, it's done by this architect. And, you know, all this rubbish real estate talk. But the letterbox wasn't even in the ground. It was on the next door neighbor's fence. That was the first sign for me. Yeah, looks good. Something's wrong. So Phil said, put it in anyway. He gets back to us. This is the name of my next message. You're not going to believe this. Next time I come. Okay. Oh, hang on. Okay, so I've missed something really important. So sorry, sorry, five minutes. Forget about just five minutes so the children won't die, will they? Okay, I've forgotten the main thing. Thank you for the prayers, sir. The, the main thing. Uh, man, this is I'm such a powerful word of the... It ain't the Lord. Um, 
This is a powerful, it's not even powerful. Um, I, I don't know what this is. You know, this is basically in the kind of real estate story that any pagan can actually tell. I, I know people who are non-Christians who've been able to, by ex- extraordinary circumstances, the stars aligning and things like that, been able to you know, purchase you know, really great properties and, oh, it just all worked out for them. How does this prove that provisional winter is over for me and the people over there at C3 in San Diego? He had a prayer about the story. Okay. Uh, so after we'd sold our house and then the offer was in the interim, have they got the money? Is it going, you know, is it legitimate? Phil went away and I was preaching that Sunday. And I, okay, so... Yeah, which, again, is objective proof you're not a prophetess and don't have a gift of prophecy. I had this burden fulfilled. So I woke up early this morning with this burden and I began to pray. And I took out of the drawer uh, the real estate, you know, with the pictures of the house. And I didn't even hardly, whatever, I just didn't know what to do with it. This was before the offer, so I'm sorry. So... I was praying and I felt the presence of God so strong. I went and I got, I was up, but I went and sat on the end of the bed in the house we'd sold. And, uh, okay, so I put it to my chest in a whisper. I was telling Kelly, I was too scared to say it out loud. I went, I dare to believe. Oh, I dare to believe. I dare. See, that. there you go. That's proof that it's God, right? No. I dare to believe. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, what's ridiculous is this theology and your Bible twisting and your claims to being a prophetess. And then I sat on the end of the bed. I shut my eyes and I had a vision. And this vision's for... Oh, here we go. A vision. Oh, it has to be from God then, right? Some of you here today... I saw a picture of a harvest field, all white, just slow motion going like this. And standing in front of Jesus, so the harvest field's there, is Jesus. He's standing like this, his back to me, looking over that field. It's white. So in my prayers, I'd say, I, I prayed, I said, Lord, you know your servant, Phil Pringle. How much we've sown into the kingdom over... How much we've sown, yeah, because that means we deserve it. It's time for you to pay back, Jesus. Forty years, if that was money in our bank account, we would be multi-millionaires. I went for it. Because you can only do that if you've got seed in the ground. Make sure you put... Yeah, seed in the ground means money. Putting seed in the ground for the big breakthrough. And that... Yeah, God's word doesn't teach this was it so i prayed that prayer and now i'm sitting on the bed and i'm seeing this vision and jesus said these words to me and these words are for somebody here today he was smiling and he said christine it's my full name i wasn't in trouble christine i am jesus the lord of your harvest mm-hmm. lord of your harvest so the lord of all of those seeds that you've sown um, yeah, so now God is the, you know, he's the Lord of your harvest. You're going to harvest a really nice, beautiful, modern beach house. Yeah, so you too can you know, have such an amazing, wonderful thing if you would just sow in your uh, your money into uh, the C3 movement, you know? 
Lift your hands. Jesus is saying to you today, I am Jesus, the Lord of your harvest. Yeah, no, he's not saying that. Your life, your land, your territory, your dreams, your field of dreams. Mm, Yeah, your beach house uh, in Australia. For me that day, it was a breakthrough of a vice coming off my neck. A vice is coming off your mind. There's a young man here today and you've just been viced in your mind. Lift your hands in his presence. I am Jesus, the Lord of your harvest. I am your... Mm -hmm. Not any biblical text, a direct revelation kind of thing, you know. Freedom King. I am Jesus, the Lord of your harvest in business. I am Jesus, the Lord of your harvest in marriage. So two verses out of context, lots of life stories, and uh, now direct revelation from Jesus. Do you really think she's a prophetess? I don't. I don't think that. There's no reason whatsoever. In fact, I'm 100% convinced this is not from God the Holy Spirit. I am Jesus, the Lord of your harvest in the healing of a broken heart through somebody hurting you in relationship. I am Jesus, the Lord of your harvest. And that's the end of that. Wow. What a mess. The one thing that all the most notorious Bible twisters have in common in today's visible church world and evangelicalism is they all claim to be receiving direct revelation from God. God's written word is treated like, you know, Play-Doh, you know, or silly putty. Just bend it in any other shape. Pay no attention to the context. Just go and rip a verse out of context and then start talking about yourself. And all the while claiming direct revelation from Jesus and visions and stuff like that. Yet the, the, the prophet Daniel said that after the 70 weeks... When iniquity was atoned for, the prophecy and vision would be sealed. I don't think for a second that the prophets running around the landscape are hearing from God the Holy Spirit. They are the ones leading people farther and farther away from Christ and the message of the gospel and exalting themselves, preaching themselves, making themselves to be these leaders of these movements all under the guise of I'm being directed and receiving direct revelation from God. I hear a lot about them. They're drawing away disciples after themselves. They are not making disciples of Christ. What do you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.